Welcome everyone uh, to this online retreat. I'm grateful for the technology that makes it possible for people to join in from so many different places. Uh, my name is Joseph Goldstein, and as most of you probably know, I've been involved with IMS from the very beginning. Just to give a little uh, one-minute overview of, of what we have in mind for this retreat. Um, the Buddha gave very comprehensive teachings about how to live in accordance with the Dharma. That is to, <clears throat> to live in a way that um, brings greater happiness and ease in our lives. And it covers a wide range of teachings from you know, how to live more comfortably and easefully in the world and just the kind of happiness that comes from that. And he talked about the happiness that comes from developing concentration and developing insight, all the way to the happiness of enlightenment, of awakening. So during these few days, uh, my colleagues and I will be touching on this whole range of offerings, you know, from really how to be living in the world, more easily to the potential um, for the development of insight and for developing the possibility of liberation in our lives. So for myself and my part in the retreat, I'll be giving two talks and two question and response uh, sessions. We've decided to change the name from Q&A to question and answer to question and response. And you can decide for yourselves whether the question really got answered or not, <laughs> uh, but, but we'll do our best. Um, so I'll be giving two talks and two Q&Rs. Uh, and in the talks, the first talk, I really want to lay out in some detail and some depth uh, just the causes, the underlying causes for uh, suffering in our lives, for distress, for, for inner conflict. So the first talk is gonna lay out the problem, uh, as I said, in some depth. Uh, and the second talk is going to address the remedy for that problem. That is how we can work with the forces that cause suffering uh, in a way that frees us. Uh, so that's, that's my general plan for this retreat. Uh, and now, I'd uh, like to have my colleagues introduce themselves so you get a chance to kind of hear their voices uh, as we go forward. Uh, so again, uh, welcome. Thank you, Joseph. So hi, everyone. I'm uh, Roxane Do. Um, I'm currently in uh, Montreal, Jojage. I'm in an unceded territory of a gathering of many First Nations I want to acknowledge as we start. So including the Kanyekihaga, the Mohawk, the Reverend Wendat, the Abenaki, and my own ancestors, the Algonquin Anishinaabe. So welcoming us all on this land of gathering. Um, I also I want to start this by acknowledging that Nipmuc people where the IMS is uh, situated. So um, honoring their their um place and uh, being a custodian of this land and water and, and thanking them for uh, being of support as we uh, practice maybe in the next 
months, years, we can go back to IMS, so honoring those people there. Um, yeah, I'm very happy to be with all of you as we uh, dive into this practice this weekend. Uh, so as you know, I'm a Canadian, French-Canadian. I'm a guiding teacher uh, at True North Insight um, here in Canada. I've practiced mainly under the lineage of uh, Mahasi Seattle uh, instruction. Um, so I'm offering deep bows also today to people in Burma uh, that needs peace and freedom right now. And as we, uh, yeah, acknowledge uh, this lineage, I also want to uh, offer deep bows to all the protectors of the Dhamma to, for all those 2,600 years of practice of oral tra tradition that has uh, come to us on this day in 2021. And so um, bowing to all the Asians, uh, Asian countries that uh, supported the unfolding of the Dhamma, people in India, Thailand, Burma, Laos, uh, Sri Lanka, Vietnam, China, um, all Asian countries and all Asian Americans also that um, brought this practice here in the West um, in many ways on this continent. So thanking you all um, as we um, be touched by the Dhamma uh, on these days. Um, so all the teachers here, we want to welcome you fully um, with care and deep appreciation. Um, so welcome all bodies uh, of all abilities, all shapes, sizes, ages, body with uh, challenges that are visible or invisible. We want to make sure that we welcome all experience that might, you know, mean some pain in the body or some comfort at times. So allowing, allowing all of this to be welcomed fully as we practice in the next few days. Following, um, welcoming also all bodies of different race, ethnicity, cultures, queer bodies, trans and cis bodies, uh, welcoming all gender spectrum and diverse identities that you might have, non-binary, gender queer, gender fluid, um, two-spirit, uh, all various sexuality, whether straight, queer, pansexual, asexual, or maybe uh, a label that actually doesn't fit uh, we're all welcome here fully. Um, welcome also, also people of all cl classes, religions, all languages. Here, just here on, on this te teaching team, we have uh, different languages that are being expressed than you might hear with the accent. And um, yeah, and all level of fluency that might, that might mean uh, for all of us. So all, all of us is fully welcome, um, whether we were born here on this land, or maybe our ancestor came, our parents came here for the first time, or maybe we're listening from Africa or India or uh, Europe. Some of us here are on the other side of the ocean. So everybody, we want to make sure that everybody really feels welcome um, for the next few days. That also means, you know, welcoming this body with this range of emotion that might be coming up. Um, so can we, can we allow the full potential of this uh, heart to really feel um, supported in the next few days? So deep welcome to everyone. Mm -hmm. So my practice um, these days is really being, being moved by um, this uh, potential to free our hearts in, in all conditions. 
So inviting a sense of, of courage, of also of trust on the practice and confidence, confidence on this path. So I'm going to be offering different talks on this, uh, yeah, on this deep intention of can we have um, trust and also like this need of, of um, showing up to our experience fully. So I'll be giving two talks and also offering some uh, guided uh, meditation around this practice of the heart of metta loving kindness. So we can actually really support um, what is needed in, in each moment fully. So I'm wishing you all an easeful and uh, fruitful retreat and gathering from uh, yeah wherever we are, uh, honoring everyone fully. So thank you. I'll let Sabra say a few words. Thank you, Roxanne. So good to be here with you all. Uh, um, we can't see you or your faces. So just taking a moment to feel you out there, um, all of you joining us here in this space. Mm. I'm calling in from Portland, Maine. Uh, formerly land of the Abenaki. And um, I'll be offering movement for you each day uh, at 1.30 Eastern. Um, it's an hour long practice. Um, just to tell you a bit about myself. Um, I was born in San Francisco and um, grew up there. Uh, and spent um, many years in New York and then moved to IMS um, and spent six years in Barrie, Massachusetts as a cook. Um, started offering movement there and recently moved here to Portland, Maine. Um, I'm working now for a collective of healers here. Um, I identify as mixed race. Mexican and white, and um, as a cisgender woman. Um, the practice that I'll offer is an hour long, a gentle practice, um, should be accessible to um, most bodies and most ages, I'm really aiming for that. It's a mixture of yoga, qigong, intuitive movement, um, and really is aiming to loosen um, and soften the body after long hours of sitting, and also to really bring us into the body, um, into um, a finer listening to the body, into relationship with the body, into attunement with the body. Um, I would just say that uh, my intention in practice these days um, is really actually about coming into relationship um, with my body, with the earth, uh, with others around me. So I hope to, um, yeah, I, I look forward to spending time doing that with you during practice. Passing it over to Bart. Thank you, Sabra. Thank you, Roxanne and Joseph, for being on this wonderful team. Um, my name is Bart Van Malik, and um, 
I'm in a very special place that I'm kind of zooming in from. And that is a, um, a trailer in a, in a campground. And um, I'm in my bedroom. <laughs> and um, I, um, I'm zooming in from the Netherlands, which is my, my home country. And um, usually I'm based in New York. And in the summers, we have the opportunity to come to the Netherlands and spend time in this trailer. And last summer, what happened was that um, um, my wife and also our seven-year-old son, whom I'm living with, uh, found out that in the Netherlands, it would be possible for our seven-year-old to go to in-person schooling. And um, we decided to stay longer. And so I'm in this little teeny tiny trailer now for 10 well, months. Just to interject, it seems like uh, the internet froze a little bit with Bart. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Oh, um, I just also see some, can you, um, team? We can, I can yeah. hear you. Okay. Yes, I can hear you. I think it froze okay. on Joseph's side. <laughs> okay. And this is what this retreat will be about. <laughs> that your home and the messiness of it all, whether it's in a trailer, whether it is in the kitchen, where you are, that's going to be kind of your temple. <laughs> and um, Thich Nhat Hanh, the famous Zen teacher in Vietnam, he says this line like, there is no enlightenment outside of daily living this will be our temple. And um, I just really want to kind of share with you that um, we still call this time retreat. And although it'll be different from retreating that you would usually think of in the forest of Massachusetts, but even in the messiness of wherever you are right now, it's possible to retreat. And so for example, these formal sessions right, that you can join, but also maybe for time differences, you can watch later, are moments when you kind of are away from daily activities, daily responsibilities, and you can retreat. In this opening talk, what I would also love to share with you is um, the traditional refuges and trainings that the Buddha offered that can also really help you to find a way for you to make these four days as retreat-like as possible. And I found it amazing after a year, we were kind of as a team saying like, it's already been a year that we've been holding spaces online like this. What's possible? I remember once I was doing walking practice in my parents' home in the Netherlands. Because another thing that's phenomenal is that I'm not even on the internet of a landline here, and I still feel the connection, but I bought cell phone plans. And so it's been streamed right now through a cell phone plan all the way to a tower in the Netherlands, coming all the way to you. But then I didn't have enough data, so I did this retreat in my parents' home. And I was doing walking practice in my old bedroom. The whole room has changed. 
Now, my mom painted the walls red. Couldn't see any signs of a, a teenager living there anymore. And it was already quite interesting to just watch my mind, right? Going to this place where I've spent so many countless years, actually. And when I was almost finished doing my practice of walking, my hand was on the doorknob. And the doorknob and the light switch were the only things that hadn't changed. And in just a moment, I saw the mind remembering all these fears I used to have when I was a child. And then this voice came and said, not present anymore. It was this really deep sense of release of seeing the impermanent nature of some of these fears that were the biggest thing in my life when I was a teenager. So on this retreat, what we really wanna invite you into is to make it work for you in the midst of your home that you might be sharing with other people. Maybe also acknowledging that you still have to attend to some work. All that is possible. And it's possible to hold that with the support of mindfulness. Let me just pause for a moment. Maybe just taking a moment to kind of look at your space, the space that you're in. Your temple. Just like you would if you would be in, um, in a meditation hall at IMS. love for you to also make everything that you do on this retreat as sacred and mindful as possible. I love this from Barbara Brown Taylor. She says, hanging laundry on the line offers you a chance to fly prayer flags disguised as bath towels and underwear. So home retreating allows us to see the, the sacred in the mundane. And so what I'd like to do now is I wanna give you an overview of what you can expect in this session. And in just a few moments, what I wanna invite you into is a meditation that kind of really supports the establishment of mindfulness, just to get started. And we'll explore kind of what, what kind of um, experiences can you easily connect with again and again. We'll also explore some suggestions to do movement meditation. And after that, I want to kind of, as a, as a reflection, offer um, a teaching on 
how to take refuge. Because we've had a lot that's been coming towards. We're still in the midst of a pandemic. There's a lot of social and racial injustice. There's so many things that um, we're holding right now. And so I wanna kind of invite the Buddhist teachings on the three refuges. And in the talk also explore how we can protect ourselves and bear witness as we're holding sometimes what might feel be unbearable. Another thing that I would love to invite you into is to, um, to pause. I love how Roxanne already started saying welcome and really welcoming every body and everything that you bring to this retreat. So this first session, you could kind of sum it up in two words, pause and welcome. All in this support of even in your home, finding ways to be as mindful continuously as possible. And I love this teaching from Ajahn Chah pointing exactly to that. Ajahn Chah was a Thai forest master, monk. He said, in practicing, don't think that you have to sit in order for it to be meditation or that you have to walk back and forth in order for it to be meditation. Don't think like that. Meditation is simply a matter of practice. Now, whether you're giving a sermon, sitting here listening, or going away from here, keep the practice in your heart and be alert to what's proper and what's not. And then his teacher, Ajahn Man, he's referring to him and he said, Ajahn Man once said that, we have to make our practice the shape of a circle. A circle never comes to an end. Keep it going continually. Keep the practice going continually without stop. I listened to him and thought, when I finish listening to this talk, what should I do? And then the answer came to me, he said, make my mindfulness timeless. Make sure that the mind knows and sees what's proper and what's not at all times. And this is our invitation. This kind of encouragement to explore how to make this practice like a circle. I really also love how the Buddha puts it. 
let's say that mindfulness is established in one just to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and continuous mindfulness. And in that way, we can kind of dwell independently, not clinging to anything in the world. And so pause for a moment. Just noticing the body. Can you welcome the bodily sensations of touch, of temperature? Pause. For this first day on retreat, and for any other day, I really want to invite you to keep pausing. And it doesn't really mean stopping. It it means way more remembering to be mindful. Pause. At IMS, there's a staff dining hall and the door going back to the hall where everybody is in silence most of the times meditating. That door that is on the inside of the staff dining hall, on top of the doorknob, it says the pause that remembers. And it's just going back into the space of where a lot of mindfulness is being cultivated and maybe you've been talking, pausing. It's really kind of my favorite meditation instruction. I really use the pause throughout the retreat. Also, maybe all of a sudden, In your practice, over the course of these days, you might have a question. Pause. And know that you can actually send us a question via email. Using the email practice at dharma.org. And maybe even doing the typing or the touching of the screen, however, whatever device you use. Can you make that also into your practice? Which you get really clear, like what is it that wants to be asked? And then pause, maybe even pausing before you click send. Because when we pause, we can not only know our experience unfolding in the moment, 
when we pause, we can also connect with the experience of being mindful. Which to me feels like a great protection and a refuge. And so in this session, the guided meditation will be a little shorter. It'll be for about 15 minutes. And when it comes to our guided meditations, please know that they are simple suggestions on the basis of come and see for yourself. And in the package that you might already seen, we've also suggested a structure or a schedule that you could follow. If that works for you, take advantage. And if not, then that's okay. Really, again, emphasizing to see what works for you in your home, wherever you are on your retreat. So stepping into a moment of pausing again. And maybe the body has been in one position for half an hour. Just check if it wants to move a little bit. If it wants to hydrate a little bit. And see if you can find a comfortable position and yet an alert one. Perhaps lengthening your spine. And starting with directing mindfulness externally by simply noticing looking around again into your Dharma hall, in the space that you're in. You might have been sheltering in place for a long time. The space might feel familiar. Can you find something new in the space, something you haven't seen before. Mindfulness oriented externally. And taking a moment 
and see if you would like to have your eyes kind of softly cast down or open or closed. And taking a moment to see if there's any tension in the body. Would it be helpful to soften your belly as an act of compassion? Loosen the jaw. Softening the mask of the face. And to see if you can really kind of let your shoulders hang down, let the arms be heavy. And lengthening the spine, tucking the chin in a little. Pause. And just check if you're in a comfortable position. Sitting doesn't feel good to you, know that you have options. You can also stand, lie down. Really go back to the basics of exploring what experience is easy and natural to be aware of to ground awareness. Pause. And then inviting you 
become aware of hearing. The sounds that are appearing and disappearing in the space you're in, your temple, your meditation hall. Or the sounds that are coming in from my end. This voice. Sometimes you might hear a cracking sound of the sun touching the plastic of the trailer expanding. Really tuning into the experience of hearing. Let there be in the hearing, simply the hearing. How much, how much effort does it take to be mindful of hearing? Welcoming the sounds as best as you can. It's your experience of being mindful of sounds. Is it something that might feel natural that you can connect with? Is there resistance to it? Also to notice when the mind might wander off. Another experience is calling for attention. Pause.
I'm checking for now if it's helpful when that experience passes to come back to sounds. Is that a helpful place to ground awareness back into? Just like sounds appearing and disappearing, do body parts, body sensations come and go? So I invite you now to attune to how the body is speaking to you, like you'd be listening to it. But that same receptivity is listening to sounds. Sensations of tingling, touch, temperature. Listening to the body, to how it speaks. There is a body. Is it difficult or easy to be aware of bodily sensations? Can it be an anchor to return to again and again? This body always being in real time.
sometimes it can be helpful to even let awareness be more specific and attuned to how the body is breathing. to support the momentum of awareness. Where in the body do you feel the breath moving the most? Maybe it's the chest or the belly. Breathing and know you're breathing. What's that experience like? Is there resistance to feeling the breath or receptivity? In the midst of sounds, in the midst of thoughts, there's this wave of the breath coming in and going out. You're never too late for the present moment. You can always start over again. The mind is lost in some planning or thinking. And then checking for yourself. Is there an experience, especially in the beginning, you can connect with to support this kind awareness, this knowing? your home base.
And as we're coming to a close of the guided meditation, also taking a moment to notice the state of mind of the heart. Can we say welcome to it as best as we can? So in a few moments, you'll hear me ring the bell three times. Just noticing sounds again, appearing and disappearing. Again, I'd like to welcome you on our retreat. And maybe because of causes and conditions, you tuned in a little later. My name is Bart Van Malik. And I have the, the great privilege to get us started in our retreat, our opening talk. I just want to start again by kind of encouraging you, especially in this morning, if it's still your morning, I'm calling in for the Netherlands, it's already the afternoon, to pause and to really connect with an experience you can easily feel, you can come home to it, that we sometimes call your anchor of practice. And it can shift throughout the day. Sometimes for me, it's just sounds in an un create more space in the mind. Sometimes that gets too spacious and then it's helpful to really feel the preciseness of the belly rise and fall to establish mindfulness. But not to be too rigid, just staying there especially as we're meditating in the complexity of our daily lives. It's also really being open to whatever is calling for your attention also externally, right? Another practice that we invite you into, if it's possible, 
is to do some formal walking meditation. And there too, it can be helpful to find an experience in that movement that you can, can easily connect with and come home to. And so I'm gonna invite you now to just wherever you are, see if you can place your hands on your lap or your table, if you're lying down next to you. And first pause and really feel the hands touching. Just like you would if you'd be standing, feeling the feet. Let's see if you can become very curious, if possible, and your body is able to do, to lift your right hand up with a lot of curiosity and maybe playfulness. Kind of feel how the hand and the arm are going up as high as you like. More you're feeling your, the movement. And also noticing when you're gonna kind of go back going down. Notice and feel that moment when there's a this placing happening, the hand back on your lap or wherever. Pause. And shifting to the left, let your left hand slowly come up. When you know you're feeling this, that's mindfulness. That's what we're cultivating. Bringing the hand back down at your own pace. And pausing again. Allowing the hands to be there. Maybe one more at your own pace. Lifting. Placing. Lifting. Placing. In the same ways we've kind of just played. You can maybe find outside or in your space indoors. Like a little route of about 12, 15 steps. When you stand, you're looking at your trail when you want to do this. Just take your environment in first. You could even do that right now where you are. There's still awareness. It's just knowing something that's happening externally, probably coming in through the eyes, right? And if you were to do walking meditation on your retreat later on, bringing that same attention to your feet and your legs, lifting, 
moving and placing as your anchor. At your own pace, at your own speed. And that might change too. Sometimes we want to be really slow. And sometimes to pick the energy up, it's helpful to go a little faster. Then when you've reached the end of your 15, 12 pace trail, stop, pause for a moment. Noticing the turning. Slowly go back. And the anchor could be the lifting and placing of your feet or movement of the legs or the whole body move. And play with that. What's easy for you to stay connected? And then when something else is calling for your attention, and it will, just maybe stop. You have options. Always have options in meditation. Let that come in and be known. When it fades, maybe go back to walking. Or just continue your movement. But then letting go of the anchor and becoming present to whatever is calling for your attention. It could even be someone in your household saying, it's your time to cook dinner. It could be anything. This is the retreat in the midst of daily living. And Sabre will offer some more mindful movements in the early afternoon. But please know that you can meditate in any posture. My favorite one in terms of real movement is outside swimming. Even in the winter, I already did my swim because I'm six hours ahead of the East Coast time. And just going into that cold water, really feel how the body is speaking. So that's my anchor. I'm just feeling the movement. And in New York, where I'm having this great privilege to teach meditation to a lot of different people, like young people who are in homeless shelters and incarcerated, but also a group of dedicated veterans in a VA hospital. And there was one man who once asked me, is it okay while you do walking or sitting practice that I pretend as if I'm dancing salsa with my wife? And we all looked at him and I said, sure. He said, that really kind of brings me in the present moment. And it was just lovely to see how everyone has their own way of creating a meditation that's kind of like a circle where we can always tap into again and again. I'd like to share with you a Zen koan that a, a dear friend of mine introduced me to about a year ago. And it's been so helpful. It goes like this. The student asks, when times of great difficulty visit us, how should we meet them? The teacher says, welcome. Just the simplicity, but the profound power of that koan has 
been really shifting my practice quite a bit. This welcome, at first I thought, does that mean I just have to accept everything? No, because I kind of looked into the history of that koan and it was shared in a time of great social unrest and injustice. That's not what the teacher was coming from. It's this welcoming of the reality or the truth of our experience in the moment. I think that's been very helpful for me. I think it can be helpful also to hold the things that might feel almost unbearable to hold. Like in this very moment, the trial of George Floyd is happening. Yesterday, there was a car just driving into an officer at the Capitol. Both in my home country, but in America, this surge of hatred against Asian Dutch, Asian American, police brutality. It's a lot. And then we're still in the midst of this pandemic. This very powerful koan sometimes gives me a sense of space saying welcome to feeling exhausted from the pandemic. We're saying welcome to worrying thoughts. How are we gonna make it? And what it also does, this powerful koan, it, it allows you to see when we're kind of bouncing off the truth of suffering, which is there. Right, the Buddha called it the first noble truth. And we're not welcoming. Like when there might be personal challenges. For me, then I sometimes hide from needing help. I'm not going to a doctor, not asking for help. Or we might hide from relational challenges where we might be in a position to really let someone know about what they're doing and giving them feedback, but not doing it. And one of the things that I've noticed within myself is how I can hide from social challenges, cultural challenges, also because of the social location that I find myself in in this society, both in the Netherlands and in America of being this white cisgender male, able-bodied, a father and married, and who has the privilege to 
stay in place and shelter in place during a pandemic. Then it can be easier to be silent, to not speak out, but to hide from the discomfort of addressing patriarchy or addressing racism, white supremacy. So there's something really powerful about this welcome because it can also allow us to see when we're not wanting to welcome, but then can we maybe re that resistance, can we welcome that? Pause and welcome. And I found out for myself that my intention to say welcome really supports from taking refuge in what traditionally is called the triple gem, taking refuge in Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. And if we were to be together in that big hall at IMS, with that beautiful Buddha, the plants, the light coming in from the windows. On the first opening night, what we would usually offer, and I've been practicing on many retreats, is this tradition of kind of reflecting on refuges that can protect us and support us and bearing witness to our experience to say welcome. And then on those evenings, We'll follow that by kind of as a community taking also these vows, these five mindfulness trainings or precepts that we then take. But I also want to just touch a little bit upon and see how they might guide you on your retreat in the midst of your home. I just want to unpack these three refuges with you. The first one, refuge in Buddha. To me, I, my interpretation is to take refuge in kindness and awareness. And every time when I pause and remember to be mindful. That's in a way, the manifestation of taking refuge in Buddha. Because kind of means that you're taking refuge, excuse me, in the potential to wake up. in the potential to meet experience with this welcome, with kindness. The simplicity of pause and welcome in a way 
is taking refuge in Buddha. Another way of looking at this refuge is reflecting on this historical being who's made such an enormous impact in the world. And it's still reverberating 2,600 years later. It's the reason that we are here right now. And this being woke up to understanding suffering and the cessation of it. And this person was human, just like us, having this potential to fully wake up. And so another way that I take refuge myself is to sometimes ask and practice, in this moment, is there any craving, wanting things to be different? And sometimes the answer is no, it's fine the way it is. Then I would ask, is there any aversion or ill will present? In that moment, no, no resistance. Then I would ask, is there any confusion in this moment or is there clarity? And so sometimes we actually really touch into our, what you could call Buddha nature, and we're noticing that craving, ill will, confusion is absent. And we can rest there. And you can just pause right now. Does it feel like a refuge, a protection? So maybe giving yourself the opportunity to check, is your body still comfortable? Just wants to settle back. Pause will inform you if he just wants to shift. Taking refuge in kindness to the body. And the second refuge is the refuge in Dharma or Dhamma. Sanskrit and Pali words that, you know, the Buddhist teachings are recorded in. And just like Buddha for me is taking refuge in kindness and in awareness, taking refuge in Dharma is taking refuge for me in nature and wisdom. And Dharma, the word has multiple meanings, but one is the Buddhist teachings. And what he discovered are kind of very natural laws operating in nature. And out of compassion, he started to teach his understanding of these laws. Like one law that he saw 
was in order to understand suffering and to be free from it, we have to have an understanding of clinging. And to also see that nothing whatsoever should be clung to as I, me, or mine. really saw when that happens, that natural inclination of taking things personal, that stress comes about. Another law he discovered was one of the most, maybe for me in the beginning, duh, laws, and that is the law of impermanence. But having heard of it is one thing. But having really understood this law of change is a whole other and to live in harmony with it. On his deathbed, he asked the monastics who had taken care of him, is everything I taught clear to you? And they responded, yes, venerable sir. And then supposedly his last words were, all conditioned things, phenomena, are impermanent. Keep practicing diligently. And I found it's so powerful to notice that the Buddha actually teaches about this law so frequently that it's become a refuge from time to time to really tune to the changing nature of experience. So I might kind of settle into listening to sounds. Knowing there's hearing. And then shifting awareness just a little bit and noticing how the sounds are changing. I've come to trust that experience of change moment to moment. Because it's a hard law. Things change in ways we don't want to. But it can also be very freeing when we're noticing we are totally in harmony with it, taking refuge in Dharma. And so finding refuge could also mean, and Dharma could mean going out into nature and pause and just connect with a tree in the Netherlands Spring has sprung. And yesterday when I was swimming outside in the lake, I saw the very first swallow. Maybe you're in an apartment and nature is unfolding in a plant that you have in the house that you can also really pause with. Just open up to that plant. And also know that we ourselves are not outside of nature. But 
that even coming home or internally again, and maybe just noticing that I am nature as a refuge. And you will be also invited to keep coming to our sessions, maybe live or later, even knowing then and the wisdom of the Buddha that's being offered as a way of taking refuge in Dharma. I kind of see hearing the Dharma just like eating food. I just need to do it every day. Let's also be creative. What can support me in terms of finding refuge sometimes? in wisdom and nature. It could be poetry, music, or other spiritual teachings to support you to say welcome to this experience. I just want to pause for a moment and just invite you if there's any way that this refuge in wisdom and nature is unfolding right now for you. And then the last refuge the refuge in community or in Pali Sangha. Community of people with that same intention to wake up. The more we attune to nature and its unfolding laws, the more we start to see that everything is connected. You know, even if I stretch the body out this way, you can feel it all the way down in the left leg. It's like this web of life from which it's impossible to fall. And then there will be definitely moments where we feel this natural feeling of being lonely, but we're not alone. You know, we're kind of caught in this inescapable relationality mutuality through the breath even through the internet right now all the people and actions it took for us to be here who made this device it's it's amazing the talk i want to offer tomorrow about befriending difficulty it kind of looked like, what kind of suggestions is the Buddha gave? And whether it was for ill will or for worrying, always he would suggest finding refuge in friendship and in suitable conversations. And so taking refuge in Sangha could, for example, mean when you really feel like, oh, I have something I need some support with. Can I ask for help? You can reach out via email, practice at dharma.org.
But maybe also kind of taking in because you're at home, like where can I reach, connect with, with whom can I connect with right now? There's a manifestation of taking refuge in Sangha. Right now, you might only be seeing me on your device. What happens if you just realize for a moment that we're together with hundreds of people sharing this moment? Maybe just also realizing all the people it took and the support we were given to be on this path, to be here right now. Refuge and Sangha. I just want to close now with also kind of bringing us into these five mindfulness trainings, if you will, or five precepts that we, on retreats at IMS, traditionally kind of take, and they're universal. Uh, they're in every spiritual tradition. And they're offered as a way to create protection, to protect oneself from harm, to protect others from harm, and both ourselves and others from harm. They're really true practices of compassion and understanding. And I like the way Thich Nhat Hanh has framed them. And just offer them and then see just what arises for you and how they might inspire for this coming four days. The first training is to protect life and to decrease violence in oneself, in the family, and in society. And just pause for a moment how that lands to protect life. Maybe reconnecting with this vow and maybe you take it every day. this training. What could it mean for you knowing the specifics that you're in these four days? We want to encourage you to see what's feasible in terms of attending the sessions, are also creating time for formal practice. Doing the best you can and letting that be good enough. Me asking for help.
so being mindful of the people whom you might be sharing the space with and their needs. Another way of framing this is knowing how deeply our lives are intertwined. I vow to protect and respect life. I just want to invite the second mindfulness training or precept. This is to practice social justice, generosity, not stealing, not exploiting other living beings. And then pause, and welcoming whatever comes to mind hearing these words. You'd be generous also if other people might need your attention these next four days. Generous with your attention that might be then more outwardly oriented. Making, if you have to take your kids to school, making a mindful trip to school. It's totally fine if you need to address some work things or have to fully work in the midst of this retreat. Can you be generous with your attention? Knowing how deeply our lives are intertwined, I vow to cultivate generosity in every possible way. And the third, mindfulness training or precept is to practice responsible sexual behavior in order to protect individuals, couples, families, and children. Just pausing again to connect with that. An IMS, it would mean to kind of take the vow to abstain from any sexual behavior, any activity. That's something you might want to explore these next four days. Knowing how deeply our lives are intertwined, I vow to abstain from sexual misconduct. And then the fourth is to practice deep listening and loving speech to restore communication and reconcile. You might be in a position to make this like almost a fully silent retreat, that's fine. But maybe your other folks might be in a position where it's gonna be kind of a relational retreat as well. And speech is such a powerful practice to be mindful, to pause, 
And so if you're engaging, maybe just check, is it true what I'm saying or while I'm saying it? Is it kind? Is it appropriate? Is what I'm saying beneficial? And is it timely? Knowing how deeply our lives are intertwined. I vow to cultivate wise speech. And then the last is about mindful consumption to help us to not bring in any toxins in the body or in the mind and the heart. And just pausing what that might look like for you. And perhaps retreating from technology a bit, if possible. The consumption of news, of alcohol. Maybe not taking the cell phone in your bedroom with you. Knowing how deeply our lives are intertwined, I vow to commit to a clear mind that sees the truth of experience. And these are the five trainings. Just pausing for a moment as we come to a close of our first session. And to maybe see if you can connect with an aspiration or an intention that you might have for this special time. What wants to be cultivated or let go of? Maybe an intention is clear, or maybe nothing is arising. That's fine too. Maybe it comes later. It can be sometimes really helpful to make that also into like a little bit of a refuge when it's difficult. Reconnecting again with that heartfelt aspiration. to encourage you in the next couple of hours before at 1.30 Eastern time, Sabre will offer movement to explore, pause and connecting with an experience that maybe you can anchor with when you're walking and you're doing dishes 
cleaning the house, whatever it is. And to see if you can keep saying welcome. And just receiving the truth of the experience as best as you can. I'd like to end the very powerful poem by Vaclav Havel. He was a Czech statesman. He was the first president of the, um, the Czech Republic here in Europe. And the poem is called, It is I who must begin. It is I who must begin. And once I begin, once I try, here and now, and not excusing myself by saying things that would be easier elsewhere and without grand speeches and gestures, but all the more persistently to live in harmony with the voice of being as I understand it within myself. As soon as I do that, living in harmony with the voice of being, then I suddenly discover, to my big surprise, that I'm neither the only one, nor the first, nor the most important one to have set out on this road. And whether all is really lost or not depends entirely on whether I am lost or not. Whether all is really lost or not depends entirely on whether or not I am lost. Words of wisdom from Vaclav Havel. So I just want to close by now one more time by saying welcome. Welcoming you. Welcome all that you bring. Welcoming the forces at play in our lives. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.